Welcome to Oncopharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the sporting sponsor of Oncopharm, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It is the 1st of, of March, 2022. Usually March, my favorite month of the year. Spring is uh, springing. Uh, we've got NCAA basketball, March Madness tournament. Usually they're spring training. Usually not a war. So anyway, a little dampered March than, than usual. <coughs> Pardon me. So uh, I wanted to, uh, it's been a while since we have done one of our landmark in Farm episodes where we look at a landmark study. And, uh, you know, some, some folks have been saying, do more leukemia on the podcast, John. So, so, uh, so this is for a real knickerbocker out there, Pete Campbell. Um, let's talk about the treatment of AML, uh, specifically 7 plus 3. We're going back to the very first 7 plus 3 paper. Well, not quite the first 7 plus 3 paper, but we'll get into that. So this is uh, Conti Rai and colleagues from CALGB. Uh, the title is Treatment of Acute My- Myelocytic Leukemia, a Study of Cancer and Leukemia Group B. Really not a whole lot of uh, you know, thrills in that title. So let's go back. Uh, this was actually published in 1981 in Blood, this paper. Um, this uh, is actually based off of an earlier study in 1973, it's built off of that. They enrolled patients in 74 and 75. So let's go back to 1975, um, as I like to do as we go back in time. The landmark uh, movies of 1975, the top grossing film of 1975 was Jaws. Still holds up great. The, you know, it's where we got the term blockbuster because the line to get in the movie would be around the block. Um, another great movie that year uh, that I love uh, is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you haven't seen that, got to see it. Uh, the number one song on the Billboard Top 100 was, you'll never guess it, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille. I admit, not one of my favorites. Um, other notable songs, at least that I, notable to me, Fame by David Bowie, number eight that year. Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers, that's a track, that's uh, number 16. Uh, and Boogie on Reggae Woman by Stevie Wonder, number 26. If you don't know that song, listen to it and you'll realize that you do know it. The number one TV show of 1975 in the States was All in the Family, never seen an episode. Okay, so, so back to AML in the early 70s. Uh, at this time, the, the treatment of AML was, uh, you know, five days of cytarabine, uh, oftentimes as a one-hour infusion, and then some other drug, whether it was donorubicin, uh, maybe cyclophosphamide. That was kind of how it was treated. Um, and if we're going to go back and look at what were the top movies of 75, we should look at what was the top chemotherapy we had in 1975. Now, just because I'm going to give you the FDA approval dates for certain drugs. Um, and so let's start with Donna Rubison, which was approved by the FDA in 1979 after this study was published. Uh, Cytarabine was already approved in 1969. So chemotherapy drugs uh, that we use every day that were not approved at the time of the study uh, included doxorubicin, FDA approved in 1985, uh, etoposide in 83, irinotecan in 96, paclitaxel in 92. But drugs we did have back then included 5-FU, FDA approved in 1962. Uh, Six-mercaptopurine, improved in 1953. Methotrexate, of course. Uh, Melphalane was approved in 1964. Cyclophosphamide in 1959. So, so certainly a different era with regards to what we know about AML, uh, for sure, uh, as well as with the drugs we had to treat AML. So this 7 plus 3 history starts in 1973 with a a publication by Yates, uh, not the poet, different Yates, 
and he reports the use of 7 plus 3. Now, he doesn't use the term 7 plus 3. I actually could not find when 7 plus 3, the nickname, you know, kind of came into practice. Um, but he he used and was the first one to use a continuous infusion of cytarabine over seven days and three days of donorubicin. Now, this was new. Everyone had kind of basically done a 5 plus 2 approach before then. So he does the 7 plus 3 that we think of today, continuous infusion of cytarabine for seven days and three days of an anthracycline. In this case, it was donorubicin, the first anthracycline we had. The dose was 45 milligrams per meter squared per day for those three days. Uh, he first reports um, eight patients. Um, five of the eight achieved complete remission. Uh, if you just look at those under the age of 60, five out of five achieved complete remission. And this was... This was, um, this was obviously five out of five under 60. You can't do better than 100%, small numbers. The other thing that, that was really notable, and I'll read here from the paper, because the first paragraph here says kind of all you need to know if you know nothing about AML. Uh, in remission induction therapy for acute myelocytic leukemia, AML, with cytotoxic agents, it is necessary to ablate the leukemic cells in the bone marrow before regrowth of normal marrow cell occurs. Um, a patient with AML is at greatest risk of morbidity and mortality from the consequences of an aplastic marrow during the period of remission induction. At the time, using these lower doses of chemo than we kind of use now in 7 plus 3, uh, they actually had greater duration of marrowplasia, which brought in more infectious complications. They talk about, you know, basically one in four people would die from AML induction at this time. And so it was really shocking to folks, I guess, what seemed to be shocking or notable was that giving more intensive chemo, this 7 plus 3, not only did it have a higher CR rate, but it had uh, a lower duration of time of, of aplasia and neutropenia and thrombocytopenia as well. So, so, which makes sense. You give more chemo, you ablate more of the leukemia cells, and you allow the normal cells to grow back at greater numbers than the cancer cells, okay? So, so Yates has this initial report in 73. Um, he gives... Um, uh, Public, not a publication, a presentation. It looks like an ASCO in 74. He's now got 16 patients. Results look good. So CLGB decides in 74 and 75 to do a study of 7 plus 3. And they do kind of a 2 by 2 factorial design. So they have kind of two questions. Uh, so one is 7 plus 3 versus 5 plus 2. So same drugs, just different duration. And then they look at the infusion of cytarabine. Should we do a bolus infusion of cytarabine or should we do a continuous infusion of cytarabine? Now, they also are looking at some of the post-remission therapy here, uh, which we won't get into because now we do high-dose cytarabine. That's a 1994 paper in NEJM on the list for future uh, landmark episodes. But today we'll start with, with 7 plus 3. So here's regimen 1, which is 5 plus 2 with the infusion of cytarabine, 100 milligrams per meter squared, continuous infusion on days 1 to 5, plus donorubicin, 45 per meter squared IV on day 1 and 2. Regimen two was five plus two with a bolus erisee, and the bolus was 100 per meter squared of cytarabine every 12 hours for five days. So it's 200 milligrams per meter squared per day. So when you look at all the standard dose of cytarabine, it says 100 to 200 milligrams per meter squared per day. In this study, it was 100 per day in the infusion arm. It was 200 per day divided by two doses in the bolus arm. And then regimens three and four are seven plus three with the same bolus schedule or infusion schedule of cytarabine, just seven days versus five days. Same dose of donorubicin, three days instead of two days. Um, they, uh, at this time, they said if a minimum of waiting period of seven days was required after completing their uh, completion of chemo, 
uh, to look for CR. That's kind of what we do today with our day 14 marrow, seven days after finishing uh, that seven-day infusion uh, of cytarabine. Uh, we'll just kind of look briefly at the baseline demographics. Um, they do divide out their demographics by the four regimens as well as by age, greater than 60 and less than 60. And one thing that caught my eye that we knew even back then, uh, they have a, a metric here that is like percent with packed marrow. Don't know what the definition is there. Percent with 90% leukemic cells in marrow. For those under the age of 60, that number is about 40% across all the arms. Now for those over the age of 60, uh, the percent of patients with a, more than 90% leukemia cells in there was 20%. So we already see the different biology here of these older uh, AML patients who have probably more of a, a prior antecedent hematologic condition, as they say, or more likely an AML uh, that has arrived out of an a, a MDS state, uh, as opposed to our younger patients more likely to have de novo AML. So I'm just gonna mostly talk about the complete response rates because the post-protocol therapy is not what we do today and they're looking at sub-Q, um, cytarabine, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So we just look at CR rates. There's a fairly clear hierarchy here um, with, with one regimen being better than the next and that's better than the next and that's better than the last. Uh, and seven plus three was better than five plus two and infusion was better than bolus. So the CR rate for seven plus three with the, the infusion of cytarabine was 59% CR rate. Uh, the seven plus two with bolus cytarabine had a 51% CR rate. Uh, the five plus two infusion had a CR rate of 45%, and then the five plus two bolus had a CR rate of 36%. So maybe the, the standard at the time before seven plus three probably would have been maybe the bolus infusion of cytarabine over an hour plus bolus erisite, uh, or, or bolus donorubicin. That had 36% CR rate in a study. That almost doubled to 59% with seven days continuous infusion of cytarabine and three days of, of donorubicin. And this makes sense pharmacologically. Cytarabine is a cell cycle specific agent with a relatively short half-life. If you give it over an hour infusion, that cytarabine, once it gets phosphorylated, is not gonna have an opportunity to inhibit all the leukemia cells because not all of them are gonna be in the S phase where cytarabine works uh, during that relatively short infusion. So by giving it as a continuous infusion for seven straight days, every leukemia cell is gonna enter into that S phase multiple times, and that's only when they're in the S phase that they are susceptible to cytarabine. So pharmacologically, it makes a ton of sense to do this continuous infusion of cytarabine. And this is where it all came from, uh, the mid-70s, uh, with, uh, with Yates initially, and then with uh, Conti Ryan researchers from uh, CALGB. So that's our landmark episode. We'll keep it short. By the way, seven plus three, it, it was so good, they didn't change it for like 40 years until they, they doubled the dose of Donorusin from 45 to 90. And that is a landmark uh, episode we did a couple years ago as well. Uh, but that Fernandez and colleagues paper from NEJM published in 2009. Uh, pretty sure we did that on the 10 year anniversary in 2019. Um, several years ago. So several of these landmark um, of Oncofarm uh, episodes are out there. At this point, podcast has been going on for a while, so it can take some hunting and digging to find those if you're a, a relatively new listener to the pod. Whether you're new or an old listener, appreciate you, you downloading and listening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNib and follow the podcast on both Twitter and, Oncofarm, Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses and routes and duration of administration matter.
Thank you.